0: Well, it's December the 7th, and welcome once again to Here Comes Christmas. I'm really glad you've joined us today. And, um, okay, Rachel, what's on the menu today?
1: Well, today, Paul, we're going to talk about failures with a little bit of magic. Why are you looking
0: at me whilst you say looking Uh, at me? No, I wasn't.
1: I was just (laughs) communicating with you. Um... And we all have to fail a huge amount in life, and I've said this to pupils so many times over the years, you know, oh, we get really complacent if things go right first off, don't we? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just have to look at something, ask ourselves why it's failed, and then work on those things and make it better than it would have been before. Right. Right. So we only really succeed once we failed. And I think it's a lesson that doesn't always come across to young people. Okay. Early enough, anyway.
0: Well, I've got a quote here from Thomas Edison. Okay. Who was a man who tried a lot of things and succeeded a lot of things in life, but he had actually hundreds more failures than uh, he ever succeeded with. I think one of his famous quotes was that, Uh, he he experimented 200 ways to make a light bulb uh, and he was criticised for going down this blind alley with a project that was never going to succeed. And he said, well, I have succeeded. I've succeeded in finding 200 ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah, (laughs) it's all
1: how you perceive it, isn't it? The
0: next one will succeed. And uh, fair enough, good old Tommy, it succeeded for him eventually. Uh,
1: Why are we talking about Thomas Edison today?
0: Uh, Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because... um, Looking back in history, today was the day in 1879 when he patented the phonograph. Right. The phonograph, of course, was the predecessor of all the uh, sound recording technology that we've got today. So without his phonograph, we we couldn't even do this podcast. It's quite incredible, isn't it? Wouldn't he be proud? I hope he would be very proud. And he would probably say, where's my royalties? Mm, Yeah, just imagine. He would
1: be a trillionaire Z times over, wouldn't he?
0: So uh, Thomas Edison, yeah, he invented the phonograph. He invented uh, various other gadgets for the audio visual industry. But one of the things which Edison mm-hmm. uh, and his team were responsible for in a very Christmassy way is Christmas lights on Christmas trees. Because we all know that Christmas trees uh, were brought in to popularity largely by uh, Prince Albert, who brought them over from his family tradition in Germany and uh, he started putting up trees uh, around the palace and wherever and the tradition of the Christmas tree caught on but one of the dodgy things about it was people put candles on the trees looked very pretty but it was a fire hazard Mm. pretty bad one too so uh, a guy working with Edison his name was Edward Johnson Just after the light bulb had been invented, its future really wasn't that sure. You'd think everybody would say, yeah, we need electric light, let's go for it. But there was no public electricity around and people didn't quite know what to do with these things. Johnson came up with the idea one Christmas of stringing together 80 bulbs, different colours, blue, white, red, and strung them around a Christmas tree, put them in his Home window, put it on a turntable, generated the electricity with a generator and got the whole thing looking pretty spectacular and then invited around a reporter from the Detroit Post and Tribune and uh, this guy was very impressed. He put a story in the paper. He wrote that one could hardly imagine anything prettier than this site and it drew crowds from far and wide. So each year after that, he went one better and put more bulbs on the tree. By 1884, the New York Times counted 120 bulbs on his tree and they, they sold these things. So another thing that uh, commercialism actually generated a new tradition. A uh, little later, 1894, President Cleveland uh, put the lights on the White House tree and then the, the fashion really took off.
1: Excellent. In 1912, Thomas Edison produced a motion picture projector for non-commercial use for churches and schools and, and in the home. And I was quite amazed that that was only 1912. I mean, it's not that long ago, is it, no. that we're talking and how things have moved. One of the things that we're going to talk about today is the snowman the animated film that actually came out in 1982. So that was only 70 years. I mean, that's that's nothing in the grand scheme of things, is it?
0: That's the the story by Raymond Briggs.
1: Yes, yes. Which is now on our screens every single year, isn't it? It is, (laughs) But you think that's 38 years ago. And you go back 38 years and things were very different, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Are we feeling very old, I think, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it has a beautiful theme, doesn't it? A music, musical theme as they fly off over the hills and the dales. Anyway, here we have Walking in the Air, sung by our son Joe when he was little.
2: We're walking okay.
0: Everyone tends to think that Walking in the Air was sung by Alan I Jones think. in the film, mm-hmm. but it actually wasn't. It was a young chorister named Peter Orty. He was a chorister at St Paul's Cathedral and he did the version in the film. Originally, though, he didn't get a credit for it. And it, he it's, had to wait for really 20 sad. years before he yes, was... Yes,
1: yes. And everybody just associates the song with Alan Jones, don't they now? mm mm-hmm. The story of the snowman is the magical idea of him coming to life, picking the boy up and flying away and going on magical adventures together. We all want to have a little bit of magic in our lives, don't we? We have a friend called Susie who has a wonderful granddaughter called Nicole and she has written a poem for a nice studford in Wales and... And she's going to read it for us now. It's about her magic box.
3: Borada. Hello. My name is Nicole. I live in Wales, and my mum Granny Susie, and my dad Key, Brian, live in Blagdon, where we visit often. I wrote this poem for the annual Welsh competition, the Aesedvod My Welsh Magic Box. I will put in my box the cold Welsh breeze swishing through my hair, the black gold from the historic Pushmour, the chant of the Welsh fans in the echoing Principality Stadium. I will put in my box tall swaying daffodils like golden trumpets playing music in the wind. I will put in my box the swishing tail of the colossal Red Dragon and the shimmer of the crystal clear water in Cadaridris. I will put in my box all my wonderful memories, baked into a warm, delicious Welsh cake. A warm, tight cutch of my loving Mam Ghi. The chilly breeze that swept me off my feet while climbing Penavan. In my box, I will dance to Welsh folk music. The edges will be outlined with the green grass of home. The surface has the carving of a Welsh love spoon unique for me. It will be lined with the beautiful petals of daffodils. It is filled with the love of Santa one My magic box has a lock to protect all of my secrets. The only key has sunk to the depths of the Blue Lagoon in Aberaethy, hidden from the world.
1: Many thanks to Nicole, who read that with her beautiful Welsh accent. There was... Another book written by Raymond Briggs after The Snowman called The Snowman and the Snow Dog. And this time, the little boy cannot bear to be parted from his dog. And he takes him with him on the adventure. We've talked a lot about the effect of animals, haven't we? We have. On us as human beings how they're good for our blood pressure, good for our general health.
0: I'm not sure our dogs are always good for our blood pressure. (laughs) Yeah, that is very true.
1: Um, But sometimes the results of the tranquility that an animal can produce is even more stunning. My sister has a dog called Herbie. He was a rescue who came from a charity called Many Tears and was left over from the Christmas trade. He was rescued before the horrible people who bred him could throw him in the sea on their return to Ireland. And he is the most beautiful and loyal of dogs. He's, isn't he's a very
0: nice chap. Yeah, you
1: know? he is. He is. Rosie is chair of the governor's service special school in Devon. And each week, she takes him into school with her. We're going to hear a couple of little stories about the difference that Herbie has made to the children there.
4: Just last week we had a child who their parents can never get them to go outside because they have autism and, and people with autism find change really tricky uh, and they kind of get stuck and aren't able to, to move themselves from one place to another uh, and this little girl hadn't been outside at, at all. The school have only just managed to get her to to move around from one classroom to another classroom and she came with a teaching assistant and the teaching assistant said, I think we're only going to be able to get to the gate. We were, I doubt we'll get any further because you know, she really struggles. So she was holding a doll and she ha- has a doll that she really likes to hold. And I offered her Herbie's lead. Um, she, she didn't want Herbie's lead. So we looped it around the tummy of this doll so that she held the doll and held the lead. And we set off and just... Near school, there's a footpath that goes from about just over a quarter of a mile to another road. So we started off to go up this footpath and she was wandering along, singing away to this doll and to Herbie. And we got all the way to the top of the footpath and back to school. So she walked half a mile outside of school, which was amazing. She's never done it before. And everyone was just completely mind blown that she she'd been able to do it. But she only did it because she was holding Herb's lead via the doll. Herbie's other kind of role in school is to do Herbie adventures. Um, uh, And that was, again, to get children to be able to be safe outside of school. So we started off by going very close to school um, in a very confined area. uh, And the children learning that Herbie always led. So Herb's is always at the front uh, and a child holds the what we call the blue lead, the Pets' therapy lead, um, and walks next to Herbie and I hold what they call the black lead and walk behind Herbie. So instead of him being taught to walk to heel, he's taught to walk in front of us so that he can support the child. Um, And by doing that, we've taught children about road safety because they have to stop to make sure Herbie's safe, which they're much better at doing than stopping to make sure they're safe. And then we moved on to beach and river safety. So these children who two, three years ago were not able to go out at all because they couldn't follow any any kind of guidance about keeping safe are now being able to go onto the beaches and on down the riverbanks and in open fields and in woodland, which is amazing. It's given them a quality of life that you can't imagine, really. Do you think Herbie has any realisation of the difference that he's made? Oh, Herbie knows when he's going into school to work. He um, he puts on his, very. I'm a very patient dog um, approach. <laughs> um, the kids can do absolutely anything to him, absolutely anything, whether it's screaming right next to him or covering him in kisses. He just totally goes with it. And Whereas if I have him on a lead and we're going somewhere where he knows we're going and it's fun, he will pull to get there, but he'd never pull when he's on a lead with a child. He's, you know, Mr. Perfection when he's working.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? So the dogs can show a level of empathy.
4: Oh, absolutely. Far
1: beyond anything you would expect and beyond a lot of human beings.
4: Yeah, And it's interesting, he seems to know which of the children who really, really need him So there are some children, and it's mainly non-verbal children And mainly children who have severe autism and and find life tricky quite often That Herb seems to know that they need him And as soon as he sees them, his tail starts to wag It's very odd, because they're the children you would think most dogs would be frightened of But it's almost like he goes, I know you need me The children who use wheelchairs, they love him because they'll hold the lead and it's like they're driving Herbie along. A bit like Father Christmas and his reindeer, really.
0: So what are Herbie's plans for Christmas?
4: Herbie's plans for Christmas are probably to eat as much as he can possibly eat because food is a a motivating factor for old Herbs. Um, But we've got Um, grandchildren who live locally. So he's going to see both sets of grandchildren
1: over Christmas. Many thanks to Rosie. And what a difference Herbie has made in the lives of those children.
0: Isn't it fascinating how sometimes an animal can make a connection with people, whereas person to person, it doesn't really quite work. Yeah. Yes,
1: absolutely. We're going to have music now, aren't we?
0: We are. One Mm. of my favourite, favourite carols.
1: Is it? So (laughs) we're going
0: to hear uh, In the Bleak Midwinter, and there are two common versions that go around, aren't there? (laughs)
1: Well, I'm not sure if the dark is common. It's more usually done by choirs. Um, but this is the Holst version, which is. Gustav M- Holst. Yes. Yeah. Gustav.
0: So he was yes. the guy who wrote the Planet Suites as well, he
1: wasn't he? Was, he was. He was director of music at St Paul's Girls School in London. And uh, he was. He got a lot of good tunes up his sleeve, really. He, he knew good a good egg. tune when he heard he it. He did. Yes.
0: beautiful song from the uh, pre-global warming era. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've been hearing every day so far from Reverend Simon Lewis uh, with his particular personal view of the nativity story. And it's time now for episode seven.
5: Here is the reading for today. It's chapter 1 of Luke, verse 38. Mary said, I am God's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. And the angel left her. I wonder, did you expect this reaction from her? At one level, of course we did. Because we know the story. But being there, being Mary... Well, that is another matter, isn't it? This is the moment when freely and openly Mary tells God, Yes, I'll do it. We're told she uses the word servant. I am your servant, Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Now, here is obedience. Not forced, not coerced, but freely given. For those who will read Luke's gospel all the way through, and it's a great way to meet Jesus, the ordinary Mary is portrayed in a positive light, as one obedient to God. And we hear her son Jesus, when he is older, declare, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Here's a thought for you to take away. Mary had been chosen, favoured. By God. But what a strange blessing. It brought with it none of the ideals or goals that so consume our daily lives. Today, many assume that those whom God favours will enjoy the things we equate with a good life. You know the sort of thing. Wealth, social standing, good health and of course celebrity status. Yet Mary, God's favoured one, was blessed with having a child out of wedlock who would later be executed as a criminal. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Being accepted, prosperity and comfort have never, ever been the essence of God's blessing. That is not what God is about. Oh, no. I'm afraid the story is so familiar to many of us, to most of us, that we let its familiarity mask its scandal.
1: Well, that was another lovely thought, wasn't it, from Simon?
0: Yeah, it is. And it's time to go now. So... um, Oh, I have... Paul, Yes.
1: do you not want to do a joke?
0: Um... No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shall I do a joke? I can't do jokes. Shall I try?
0: OK, my love, you tell me a joke.
1: Well, this could fall flat on its face. OK, why did the red-nosed reindeer help the old lady cross the road?
0: I don't know. Why did the red-nosed reindeer help the lady cross the road?
1: Because it would have been rude of him
0: not to. yes. Well, I've Uh, laughed at your uh, (laughs) (laughs) jokes. Okay, Folks, if by any chance you aren't totally put off by the um, end of show humour and you did like the episode, do share it out on Facebook for us and maybe one or two folks will like to listen in to our next episode, which will be tomorrow. So do join us then. Bye for now.
1: Bye-bye.